this on. Good morning. Welcome to Embrace. If you don't know me, my name is Lisa. Um, if you would like to stand and worship with us, we are going to do a reading from Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they would settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. What does it mean to be saved? Is it more than just a prayer to pray? More than just the way to heaven? What does it mean to be His? To be formed in His likeness Know that we have a purpose To be salt and light in the world In the world to be salt and light in the world sing that again to be salt and light in the world in the world to be salt and light in the world let the redeemed of the lord say so let the redeemed of the lord say so let the redeemed of the lord say so say so say so let the redeemed of the lord say so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so, say so. Know oh, that the church would arise. Oh, that we would see with Jesus' eyes. We could show the world heaven. Show what it means to be His. Be formed in his likeness, show them they have a purpose. To be salt and light in the world, in the world, to be salt and light in the world, to be salt and light in the world, in the world, to be salt and light in the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, say so, say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, say so, say so. Let's sing, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed, 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 yeah. Salt light to be salt and light in the world, in the world. To be salt and light in the world. To be salt and light in the world. In the world. To be salt and light in the world. The redeemed of the Lord rise up. Let the redeemed of the Lord rise up. Let the redeemed of the Lord rise up. Rise up, rise up. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so, say so. I am redeemed. 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 
drums. I am redeemed. 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 Away. And all the 
Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. And all Beautiful singing. Well, as we attest this morning to God's faithfulness, as we sing about it together, we're going to continue to recognize his faithfulness this morning over the whole of our lives. This is a time in our service when we share with one another both our gratitude and our lament, the things that we are celebrating and feeling joy about and grateful for, as well as the things that are weighing on us, the struggles that we're experiencing and the brokenness that we experience in our lives and in the world around us. And we want to make space for both of those things and declare that none of that is outside of God's ability to be with us and faithful to us and to walk with us. And so I just invite you here in just a moment to turn and share with folks who are close by. Um, we are excited to see each other's faces today, but let's still keep a little bit of uh, respective distance, especially if you're talking with folks who've chosen to still wear masks. Um, but we're just going to talk and share, and if you have both a gratitude and lament, feel free to share that, or just one or the other is fine. And just a reminder, it's always an appropriate response just to thank someone for sharing after they tell you whatever is on their heart. So let's just take a few moments to do that. Those of you online, please do so in the comments, and we'll come back together in a couple of minutes.
All right, maybe take another 30 seconds or so and we'll come back together. All right, so as we come back together, I invite you to turn your attention here to the front. I want to share just a few of the things from our online community, because um, we continue to be grateful that there's a great group of folks who join us online and that we can all be connected, especially through this time of gratitude and lament. So uh, my, there they go. They disappeared. They're back. Okay. Um, so Nancy Heiner is thankful for spring break this week and looking forward to having time off work. I think there could be a cheer in the collective. Yeah. I think a lot of people are in that boat. We celebrate that with you, Nancy. And we pray for much needed rest and family time and connection for all of you who are on spring break. Tanya is also grateful for spring break. Um, John is sharing online as well. He's grateful that baby K is sleeping better this week. We are grateful for you for that too. Um, Chuck is grateful this morning for a wonderful Sunday school class that wrapped up today. Thanks for organizing John, Jackie, Dustin, and everyone else who was involved. Yeah, so we just finished this morning going through our book study on the Pete Enns book, How the Bible Actually Works, and we have lots of remaining questions, which is great. That means we have the rest of the year to continue digging in together and continue journeying. So if you missed out on this first one, there are still two more classes this year in our year with Jesus and a year of focusing intently on the Bible. This summer, we're going to do more of the historical context work um, that we learned in this first part is really helpful. And then in the fall, we're going to do um, like a deep dive study class on how to actually study scripture passages. So we're excited about all of that. Keep those in mind and on your calendar. We're looking forward to that. Let's see. I made that in an announcement, actually, instead of reading Gratitude and Lament. Sorry, friends. Um, Leah and Scott Morgan are grateful for the resources to bring a birth brother to Kentucky for spring break, but grieving the hardship broken families have. Thanks for sharing that with us. We join you in that. And Tanya is lamenting the divisive political posturing that took place during Judge Jackson's hearings. Yes, we join you in that as well, Tanya. All right. Well, let's just take a moment and pray over all of the gratitude and lament that we have shared together here in this space. Gracious Father, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness, that we are able to sing together as a community songs that have been sung for such a long time by people of faith, and to still know how incredibly true and meaningful they are. You are with us. You are the one who goes before us and beside us and behind us, who gives us strength, who meets us in our pain and our brokenness and grieves with us. And God, we are so grateful that we don't yet understand the depths of your faithfulness. We don't yet understand the depths of your presence and your goodness and your love for us. But God, we thank you for the opportunity to journey as a community together for all of the joy and the pain that comes with that, God. And so this morning, we just lift up to you all of the celebrations that we feel as we come into this space today, as well as all of the, the brokenness and the pain that we have lamented together. We just pray that you would continue to just fill us with knowledge of your presence and fill us with the ability to uh, reach out and connect to one another instead of turning inward. God, we just know that we are a gift to one another, that you have given us each other so that we do not have to walk alone. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to grab after that gift, to hold on, and to steward it well. Lord, we offer you ourselves this morning as we have our gratitude and lament and just ask that you would continue to work in us and move through us even as we prepare to receive your word in just a little bit. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Just a few announcements this morning. As a reminder, we send out an announcement email on Sunday mornings. So if you do not yet receive that and you would like to, feel free to share your information with us. You can email rachel at embraceyourcity.com and she can add you to that. You can also put that on the Connect card and drop it in one of the boxes, either at the back or to the side. This little card is a great way to communicate with us. If you want to share your information, if you want to meet with a leader, if you want more information about getting involved at Embrace, this is a quick way to tell us all of those things. So please grab one of these from the welcome table at the back or the side door when you come in on Sunday mornings if you have something you want to talk about. Or if you didn't grab one and you want to say something to us, you can really quickly grab one from the table at the back before you leave. 
Or you can find us and talk to us, but sometimes that's hard. So those are all options. You can also put prayer requests on the back of the Connect card. And you can always email prayer at embraceyourcity.com. And Pastor Tanya checks those and sends them out to our prayer team where they are kept confidential, but they are lifted up each and every week. There is a powerful prayer ministry at this church because we believe in prayer and we believe that the Holy Spirit partners with us to, to bear one another's burdens. And so please take advantage of that. Um, I will also remind you that as of today, I think you guys all got this message, I can tell, um, masks are optional in our gatherings. So I feel like we should cheer for that as well. But yes, yeah. <laughs> it has been a long season of feeling like we needed to take specific measures to be safe. And I'm grateful that now we are in a season where numbers are lower and we feel like we can do this for now. But I'll just remind you that we're going to continue to keep an eye on things. And we remain open to the possibility that in the future, keeping each other safe and loving each other well might look like putting masks back on. Also, you're welcome to keep wearing a mask if you're most comfortable that way. And if you feel like you would like a little more protection while you're in our midst with other people not wearing masks, we do have a few N95s available also. So just grab one of us and we'll get it for you from the office if you come in on a Sunday and you would like one of those. All right, so without further ado, I will now invite our children and Wonder Room volunteers to come down to the front. We can cheer for them as well. And as they prepare to head upstairs for their own special time of learning, we're going to join in one more worship song. I believe in God the Father, the almighty maker of heaven and maker of earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified and dead and buried. And I believe what I believe, it's what makes me what I am. No, I did not make it, no, it is making me. It's the very truth of God, not the invention of any Who was crucified, buried, and dead? But he descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. And he ascended in heaven, where he sits at God's mighty right. quick in the dead and the sons of men and I believe what I believe what makes me what I am and I did not make it it is making me it's the very truth of God not the invention of any Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and Maker of earth, and Jesus Christ is only begotten Son, our Lord. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin. I believe in the resurrection, and I believe in a life that never ends, and I believe what I believe, it's what makes me 
know it is making me. It is the very truth of God, not the invention of any man. And I believe it, I believe it. I believe it, I believe it. And I believe it, I believe it. It's good to be together today. Uh, my name is John Gallagher, and I am the lead pastor here. If I don't know you, I would love to meet you. Just want to say welcome to each of you. Just glad that we get to be together today. I was really, I was really looking forward to this today. It's been a hard week, a sick part of the week, and exhausted and tired and all sorts of things, out of sorts. Uh, but I'm feeling better today, and I'm glad to be together. So um, let me just say a prayer for us before we dig into the Word. God, we thank you. Thank you so much for this community. God, we thank you that we do not have to live this life alone. God, I know personally I, I'm grateful for friendships, uh, for fresh starts, for healing, for forgiveness, for love, for community. Lord, we lament that this life is, is really hard and it can feel so overwhelming. Sometimes it just feels like the, the world and all the things around us are just kind of pressing in on us and caving in on us. And God, I'm just grateful that um, you've given us the gift of this church family and that we don't have to go at it alone. I pray today, Lord, that you would speak to our, our minds and our hearts and our spirits that, God, we could hear your voice, that we could feel your presence, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just move throughout this space. And that, God, we would leave here just feeling uh, closer to you, feeling more encouraged, more inspired, more courageous, more ready to just press on in another week. Lord, we know that it is Sunday, a wonderful day to celebrate and to rejoice and to give praise, but we also know that Monday is coming. And we know that the challenges and the struggles of this upcoming week are all too close, that there's so much that we're going to face, and we just ask that you would be with us through it all. Help us to have strength to endure. Help us to continue to run this race that, that you have set out before us, knowing that we do not run alone, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that we are surrounded by this wonderful community, and, and ultimately we have you, the Holy Spirit, the great advocate, the paraclete, the comforter, the one who walks with us and falls down beside us with us every step of the way. God, thank you, Lord, for not leaving us alone. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to continue on uh, in the series that we're in. We are in part 11 of our year-long series in the book of Luke. Um, we're going to veer from the book of Luke like once or twice next week. Uh, Christina is going to preach in John because uh, the lectionary does a few funny things, and it jumps to John randomly out of nowhere. Uh, but then we're going to jump back to Luke again. Uh, but we're going to be looking at all different parts of the gospel of Luke, and then hopefully you all are reading along with us, really engaging with these texts each and every week. You know, as we spend our year with Jesus, we're going to pay attention uh, to what Jesus did, his actions, but we're also going to pay attention to what Jesus taught. You know, for me, I often learn best from example, like watching someone, you know, like my mentors and people in my life, I've seen kind of the way they live, and I, I, I work best by kind of modeling my life after other people, you know. Um, but, you know, Jesus, he modeled for us how to live, but he also taught a lot as well. And his teachings are really profound, and they're often quite confusing, and they're just an invitation really to us to dig and to really learn. And so we're going to learn from Jesus' example this year, but we're also going to learn from his teachings. 
And if we're going to learn from Jesus' teachings, then we need to understand what kind of teacher Jesus was. And I just want to say a brief word about the kind of teacher that Jesus was. You know, when I was in school, um, particularly in high school and college for that matter, I had some teachers who would stand up in the front and they would just give you a bunch of information. And, and you kind of had to memorize it. And if you wrote everything down, you took really good notes and you studied it and you memorized it, then you would do well in the class. You would pass the exam. The exams were often multiple choice. There's one right answer. Um, I didn't really like those kinds of classes a whole lot, and I didn't learn a lot from those kinds of classes. I had other teachers, though, who would ask hard questions. They would challenge my thinking. They would engage me in discussion. I didn't like to talk in class. I was always kind of the quieter, more introverted type, but they would push me to speak up and to discuss. They encouraged me to think for myself. They would ask, John, what do you think about this? I liked these teachers, and I really enjoyed their classes. Sometimes these teachers would provoke me. I don't know if y'all ever had teachers who were provoking. Uh, they would provoke me. Sometimes I left the class angry and confused and afraid and concerned. I got some teachers. Do y'all provoke your students ever? Good. I know Julie does, uh, guaranteed. Um, but I would leave the class sometimes just feeling concerned, you know. And, and I had youth ministers like this who would provoke me sometimes. But it would cause me to go home I would open up books. I would open up the Bible. I'd open up my textbooks and try to learn from myself to prove them wrong sometimes in my mind. I thought I could, but I usually couldn't. But my good teachers, in my opinion, encouraged me to think and to see and to be different. These teachers of mine, I think, were tapping into what we could call the wisdom tradition. Wisdom, as we've learned in our class that we've been doing before church, those of us who've been participating, wisdom invites us to a deeper place. Wisdom invites us to ponder and to think and to grapple and to ask hard questions. Wisdom invites us to work out our faith for ourselves. In that class that we just finished this morning, our fifth uh, class together, we learned that the Bible is really a book of wisdom. It's not a rule book, it's not a theological dictionary, but it is a book of wisdom. And Jesus was a wisdom teacher. He was not the type of teacher who just gave information to be memorized or rules to follow. He invited his followers to join this sacred quest to know God, to know the world we live in, to know our place in it. And one of the primary ways that Jesus taught was through parables. Have y'all heard this word before, parables? There are many parables throughout the New Testament. Parables are these short stories, and they're meant to spark imagination, provoke us, challenge us to think and act differently. And parables, what I'm learning is that they don't really just have one particular meaning. They have layers of meaning. They have layers of purpose and significance for us. Pete Enns, uh, we've been reading a book by him together called How the Bible Actually Works, and I love what he says about parables. He said, careful readers and writers have pondered these parables for 2,000 years, offering fresh interpretations along the way. That's what's so great about parables. They just keep giving. Because just like Proverbs, they're open-ended and ambiguous, inviting us to ponder and then bring their wisdom into our own circumstances. Our text for today comes from Luke 15, and there's actually three parables in Luke 15, and the main one that we're going to look at is probably one of the most popular, and it is the longest parable in the Gospels. And it's often called the parable of the prodigal son. Do y'all know this one? Um, some, it's also been called the parable of the lost son, the parable of the man and his two sons, some people even more recently have called it the parable of the prodigal father. But it's a story about a family that would have resonated with that original Jewish audience that was hearing it. This is a story, I think, that can teach us about God. It's a story really about losing something and then seeking to find it. And it's a story that I think has layer upon layer of meaning. You know, traditionally, Christians have interpreted this story like this. This is what a lot of Christians have seen in this story. And it's basically this. Even when we mess up really, really bad, like the younger son, 
God still loves us and welcomes us back home. Y'all have heard this kind of interpretation, right? We identify with the younger son who messes up, and we come home. The father loves us and accepts us back into his arms. People like me, like you, who have made really big mistakes have found a lot of hope and a lot of healing in this story, knowing that God is going to forgive me like the loving father in the story. And this is a wonderful way to look in the story, and this is certainly true. God does love us like that. I firmly believe it. However, I do think that there are other ways to see this particular parable. That's the beauty of a story. You know, anybody, we can all read the same story, and many of us are going to come away with something different from it. A Jewish scholar named A.J. Levine um, points out that the original hearers of this story probably weren't thinking in grand theological terms like we often do today. They would have heard a story about a family, a father, two sons. They would have maybe wondered where the mother was in the story. They would have probably seen themselves in this family dynamic, perhaps identifying with one of the different characters. And maybe when you read the story, you feel in a similar way. That's the beauty of these stories that Jesus tells. And Levine has brought to light another way to read this parable that I think is particularly powerful and and very faithful to the text that we have. But first, I want to briefly look at the two parables that come before it. Because this parable of the man and his two sons is actually part of a triad. It's part of three different parables, and all of them are related. They are all about something that was lost. So in the first story, y'all probably heard this one before, an owner has 100 sheep, all right, and he loses one of his sheep. So right off the bat, I wondered why uh, the owner lost one of the sheep. It doesn't say how the sheep got lost, but the owner lost one of his sheep. In response, the owner of the sheep leaves the 99 and goes out to find the lost sheep. And upon finding the lost sheep, the owner puts it on his shoulders and he carries it back home and then celebrates with the community when he returns because his flock was once again whole. The one lost sheep has come back. Everyone is there once again. And the second story is quite similar. A woman has 10 silver coins. She loses one of her coins. Now, the coin doesn't get lost on its own because coins can't do that, right? The woman lost this coin. That's why some people push back to wonder, it's probably maybe not God that they're talking about. is the woman and the man who loses these things because God doesn't necessarily lose us, right? So when she realizes that her coin is lost, she goes and searches the whole house to find her lost coin. And upon finding the coin, she then rejoices with her community. Her coin collection is now made whole once again. All ten coins are there. Now in the third story, the audience would naturally expect another loss. They're hearing Jesus tell these two stories of someone losing something. So they're going to expect another loss. Instead, in this story, the loss is even more tragic than a sheep or a coin. A father loses his son. And as we read the story, we later learn that the father didn't just lose one son, but the father, in fact, lost two. I imagine there were fathers listening that day. I imagine there were sons listening that day. I imagine there were mothers listening and daughters and brothers and sisters And they would have perked up wondering where this story was going and how they might fit into it. You know, the story is pretty clear. The younger son asked his father for his inheritance early. He was wanting to go travel. He wanted to go see the world. And so he's like, Dad, can I get my money a little bit early? I want to go out and do some stuff. So the father gives it to him. And he leaves his home country and he travels to a foreign land where he blows all his money on wild living. He had nothing left. He got to such a bad place that he basically just had to give himself up to the mercy of someone else to work on this guy's farm. He was in a foreign land that maybe didn't have laws like the Jews did that that made you kind of take care of people when they went on hard times. He got so destitute, so poor, so low that he had to eat the food that the pigs were eating. He was humiliated, had nowhere to turn. So he came to his senses, and he decided he was going to go back home. 
He knew his father would probably be upset with him. And so he figured he might not have a place in the family any longer. And so he rehearsed a speech um, where he would offer himself up as a servant or a slave in the house if necessary. And so he comes home, and before he can even give the father the speech, the father runs out to him, he hugs him, he kisses him, and he welcomes him back home. He called all the servants. He invited the musicians, and he threw a whole party for the community. The younger son had returned home, and the family was whole once again. Or was it? The older son was working out in the field, and he heard the celebration taking place. Everyone was there at the party except him. No one had thought to invite the older son to the party. He didn't even know it was happening. Perhaps the father realized that one of his sons was missing, and so he went to the field to search for him. The older son was obviously angry. The father told him he loved him and encouraged him, come, come home and celebrate with us. For the family to be whole, all needed to be there. A man counts his sheep, and he realizes he lost one. A woman counts her coins and realizes she lost one. A father counts his sons and realized he lost one. A.J. Levine uh, wrote a children's book about this story that I think is really powerful. Are y'all cool reading a children's story this morning? Um, It's a book called Who Counts? Hundred Sheep, Ten Coins, and two sons. And I want to read this story for you. You won't be able to see the pictures, unfortunately, but I'll put it up here if you want to see it afterwards. This is a simple yet, I think, profound and needed message for us. 100 sheep. 100 sheep. If just a single one were lost, who would notice? Who counted sheep anyway? Well, the man did. The man had a lot of sheep, 100 of them. He counted them every day, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. It took time to count, a long time. One day the man counted 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Then he stopped. There were only... 99. He must have made a mistake. He had 100 sheep, not 99, and so he counted again. But there were still only 99. One of his sheep was missing. He was responsible for all the sheep, all 100 of them. Immediately, the man went to look for the lost sheep. He walked and walked, but he saw nothing. He kept walking. He looked to the left, nothing. He looked to the right, Nothing. He walked and he listened, still nothing. Then he heard it, a bleeding sound. Bah. He ran toward the sound and there she was, the lost sheep. He had found her. She was too tired to follow him home, so he lifted her on his shoulders and he carried her. He was so happy to have all his sheep together that he invited everyone to celebrate. Some people said, what's so wonderful? It was only one sheep. You had 99 others. The man smiled. One sheep makes a difference. Without her, something is missing. Now my flock is complete. Ten coins, ten drachmas, ten silver coins. Every day the woman would count them. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Then one day she counted, and she got all the way to nine, and she stopped. She couldn't have had it made a mistake, but she counted them again anyway. Still, she only counted nine. One drachma was missing. She had lost one of her coins. The woman lit a lamp to see more clearly. She looked under chairs and in corners, no coins. She looked in cabinets and in wastebaskets, still no drachma. She took a broom and swept the floor. There were crumbs and dust, but no coin. It was her fault. She had lost the coin, and now she must find it. She searched again with 
the light and the broom, and finally she saw something shining and heard a ping. She looked down, and there it was, the missing coin. She held the coin in her hand for a few moments, and then she carefully placed it with the other drachmas. She was so happy to have all the coins that she invited the women in the town to celebrate. Some people said, what's so important? It was only one coin. The woman smiled, just one coin matters. Without it, something is missing. Now my coin collection is complete. Two sons. A father had two sons. Easier to count than ten, much easier than one hundred. One day the younger son wanted half his father's money. It would be his eventually, but he could not wait. He was restless and he wanted to travel. So the father divided his wealth in half and gave half to his younger son and half to his older son. The younger son went to a foreign land. There he had a great time doing whatever he wanted. But before long, he had spent all the money and had none left, not even to pay for food. There was no one to share even a crumb of bread with him, as there was little food in the land. The son went to work for a farmer and tried to earn enough to buy something to eat. The farmer told him to go and feed the pigs. Even the pods that the pigs ate looked good. Finally, the son was so hungry and tired that he decided to return to his father, but he wasn't sure what to say. How could he tell his father that he had spent all the money? His good pants were torn, his shirt was stained, his fancy shoes had holes. He thought, I will tell my father that I made a big mistake. I will say that I'm sorry. I will offer to work hard to earn money. The young son returned home. His hair was uncombed, his face was dirty, and his hands were covered in blisters. His father ran out to greet him. He was so happy to see him that he did not care about anything else. Instead of making his son earn money for clothing and food, he gave him a new coat, new shoes, and even a new ring. Then he invited everyone to his home to celebrate. The older son was still working in the field when he heard the happy sounds of singing and laughter and smelled sweet spices coming from his home. He wondered what was happening. He stopped one of the neighbors who was heading to his house and asked, what is going on? The neighbor was surprised by the question. Don't you know that your father is making a big party for your brother to mark his return? The older brother did not know. When the father counted everyone who had come to the party, he realized that one person was missing. That person was his older son. He had forgotten to invite him. He ran out of his house to find his son. When the older son saw his father coming toward him, he turned away. He was sad and angry that no one had come to find him. His father spoke softly. Your brother has come home. I invited all our friends to celebrate with us. You must come and be glad with us. He tried to hug his son, but his son folded his arms across his chest. The older son finally said to his father, I've been with you all the years that my brother has been away. I did not waste your money. I did everything you wanted me to do. I never left you. My brother did. Then you make a big party for him and you never had one for me, and you didn't even invite me to his? The father thought, I have two sons. One, two. I paid attention to my younger son, but I discounted my older son. I didn't realize he felt lost. The father took his older son's hands in his own. Please come and join the party. I love you. All I have is yours. Come and be with me and with your brother. I have two sons. He counted one, and then he pointed to the house where his younger son was celebrating, and he counted two, and he put his arms around his older son. Without you, he said, something is missing. With you, our family is complete. These three parables, I think, invite us to ask some hard questions and important questions. Who counts in my life? Who is important to me? Who have I left out? Who counts in our city? Have we counted everyone? Or have we left people out? 
Who needs to be included in order for our family to be whole? For our church to be whole? For our community to be whole? You know, we certainly, as humans, uh, have a knack for leaving people out, for losing sight of everyone and focusing our attention on some while neglecting others. And I think this story asks the simple question. It challenges us to ask, who counts? Who matters? Who have we lost? And what do we need to do to find them? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We're going we're gonna to share communion this morning, and uh, I hope that this simple message of of losing things and finding them and then celebrating once we're all made whole and together again will resonate with you, and you'll search your heart and ask some of those questions of yourself this week. It is certainly true that many of us, uh, all of us, in fact, have uh, wandered off and got lost ourselves at times, and, and God certainly came to find us. And the way God loves people so desperately and wants everyone to be made whole, wants everyone to be together, his arms and his embrace is wide enough to include all people. Certainly God wants us to model our lives after him. We're going to share uh, communion, and I just encourage you to take some time and reflect. Think about those questions. Who counts in my life? Who is important to me? Who have I left out? Ask the question, have we counted everyone? Who are the people that that we need to reach out to and go find? Who needs to be included for us to be whole? God, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you came and you taught us and you walked among us. And not only did you teach us to include everyone, to count everyone, to make sure everybody is there and is included and is cared for, but you modeled that by the way you lived. We thank you that you came and you spent time with people who were often not counted. We thank you that you challenge us towards reconciliation, towards reaching out to people maybe that, that we've lost track of. We thank you that you showed us what forgiveness looks like. And God, we thank you that we can be challenged and encouraged and inspired through your example and also through your teachings. God, we thank you that you uh, came and walked among us and you taught, you did all this stuff, Lord. And we also thank you that you You walked that path all the way to the bitter and tragic end. That you were willing to to walk and march all the way to your death on the cross so that we might be able to find life to the fullest. God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this bread and juice, that it would be for us the body and blood of Christ, that you would fill us up this morning in fresh ways and ways that only you can and that we would leave here changed because we've encountered you, the living God. Lord, we need you. We need you. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Forgive us for the ways that we have left people out. Forgive us for the ways that we have been selfish and prideful. Forgive us for our neglect and our failure to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Forgive us for not loving you with our whole heart. We pray you would restore us, you would redeem us, that you would put us back together this morning. I just pray for everybody here, Lord, no matter whatever it is they need to hear from you this morning, I pray you would speak to them. You would speak to the deep places in their heart and their spirit. That they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they've heard from you. Thank you, God, for caring enough about us to show up here and be with us this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you want to go ahead and get out the communion stuff. If you're at home, whatever you've set aside, you can go ahead and get that out as well. I encourage you to take and eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you. take the juice, and I encourage you to take and drink. This is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. I encourage you all to spend some time in prayer this morning. Um, we've got, it uh, looks like, Taylor's in the back. Um, pray with folks this morning, I think. <laughs> or John or somebody will be back there to pray with folks. <laughs> and uh, if you need prayer, go to the back, and someone will be back there to lift you up in prayer. Um, if you would like me to lift you up in prayer, I'd be more than happy to. I'll just be over here and you can come forward. But why don't we all stand together as we uh, end our time.
came to my rescue and I want to be where you are. Amen. Well, thank you all for being here this morning. Y'all prepare your hearts to receive the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.